from Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 17. Luke writes, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's pray for a moment. Lord God, as we begin this season of Advent and moving our way toward our celebration of the arrival of Jesus, I pray that you would fill our hearts again with wonder at what you've done. And as we rehearse the story that many of us have read or thought about or pondered several times, maybe even hundreds of times, that you will continue to allow us to see things that we missed in the fine details, and that you will also fill our hearts with wonder that you loved the people of this world so much that you would send your son into this world to share all of its joys and sorrows, all of its wonders and miseries, and ultimately to die for our sins and to rise again. Thank you, Lord, for meeting us when we gather in this place. Thank you for the friendships that we make here. Thank you for the fellowship that draws us closer to you and to each other. I pray that you would continue to speak to us and direct us, whisper to us in the quiet moments of this service. There are some who dread Christmas because they're afraid of being alone or they have memories of bad things that happened during these weeks and some year past. And I pray that you will meet us in the celebration and in the gathering that we have together. Meet us as, as your spirit continues to connect us and to call us to become one group of people, united by your love, united by our relationship with you. I pray that you'll continue to open eyes for those who are searching, searching for whether there's enough reason to believe in Jesus as the Savior, searching for a hope that can lift them out of whatever the difficulties and challenges are. There's some that come this morning simply to pray and to worship because we are so filled with gratitude over who you are and what you've done. Guide us now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I was glad a moment ago when we sang that Christmas carol, the first Noel. It seems that as we begin this season, the carols speak to me in a number of ways and they begin to call us out of whatever burdens we've been carrying, whatever challenges we've been focusing on as we begin to think about what God has done. There's a line that I always look forward to hearing and singing every Christmas season, and it appears in that classic Advent hymn, O Holy Night. The line reads like this, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. 
That one line sums up so much of what we feel and experience and look forward to in these Advent weeks. Advent always seems to fall when the world's weary signs wear on us. This year is no exception. On Monday, a friend lamented that the sprint toward Christmas has begun. Inflation has been hitting hard for months. Just about everything costs more this year. Rental homes are hard to find and expensive. In grocery stores and restaurants, food costs are higher everywhere. We've been told to expect oil shortages and electric power blackouts this winter. I don't know if all that's fear or reality. And then Russia's assaults on Ukraine have continued for nearly a year, and the global scale of displaced people around the world is off the charts. Yes, the weary world surrounds us, and at Christmas we have reason to rejoice. All of that makes us yearn for Advent's thrill of hope, and for some we yearn for that thrill of hope more than ever. And so here we are. Today we're beginning our Christmas Advent series that is called Christmas Promises. For the next few Sundays, we're going to probe and celebrate some of the key promises that come to us through the classic gospel accounts of the arrival of Jesus. Today our topic is bringing us back. We're going to focus on one of the key promises that the angel of the Lord gave to Zechariah, who had become the father of John the Baptist. One of God the Father's primary goals is to turn the hearts of people who have drifted away back toward their families and back toward God and back toward Jesus. So here's the, qu- the question that I had in my mind as I was preparing my notes for this particular message. What hope does Christmas bring for those who have drifted away from their faith? Or are they left out of all of this and is this only a celebration for those who are committed, convinced believers in Jesus Christ? Here's the the big idea that I'd like to share with you this morning. The big idea is very simple, that Christmas breaks through to a weary world by bringing hope to people coming back to God. Hope for a a weary world. I'd like to talk about three ways that we see this hope appearing from this early snapshot in the Gospels when the angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah and begins to give him some clues about what God was up to. The first hope is the hope of breaking silence. Verse 11 says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. Luke's gospel appears approximately 400 years after the final prophetic book of the Old Testament was written. Malachi was the name of that book. It was finished somewhere around 420 B.C. or before the time of Christ. And Luke was writing about events that began somewhere around the change from the before Christ era to the Anno Domino era, the modern era that we live in today. It's not that God was not working during that time until Jesus arrived, but there was a lack of writing. There was a lack of information. There was a lack of of speaking through prophets during that 400-year gap. So when the angel of the Lord appears to a priest named Zechariah in the temple in Jerusalem, all of a sudden the silence is broken. The Lord himself begins to lift the veil and reveal what he has been up to and what he is about to do in that time. And with these words and instructions comes hope, hope that God is on the move, 
Hope that the great silence is over. Hope that God remembers the suffering of his people. This is hope on a grand scale. The kind of hope that reminds us that the God of the Bible is the God who redeems the world, who brings justice, who remembers the plight of all who suffer in the midst of the world's brokenness. At the same time, the angel of the Lord announces hope on a personal level too. We're told in the opening verses of Luke chapter 1 that Zechariah is a very faithful and religiously steadfast priest. Not only was he a priest, but his wife came from the line of people that went all the way back to Aaron, the brother of Moses, the very first high priest of Israel. All this is good. We're introduced to a faithful priest who loves serving God, but then we also learn that there's a deep sadness in the lives of Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth. They've been serving the Lord their whole lives, and now they are old and they are childless. And they're beyond those years of raising children, and they'd given up all hope that they would have a family line continuing in their name. In the culture of the first century of Israel, this would have been devastating news. There was no one to carry on their name, no one to help them in their elderly years, and people assumed that childless people had missed the blessings of God or were not worthy of them. And now, with a simple appearance by an angel while Zechariah was serving in the holiest area of the temple, the Word of God changes all of that. God had broken the silence for Israel and for the world, and God had broken the silence for Zechariah and for Elizabeth. God had heard their prayers. Even though they were well beyond their childbearing years, they would have a son. If you have drifted away from any sense of closeness to God, here are two reasons why Christians find great hope in the time of Christmas. The first is that Christmas tells us that God breaks His silence and that God speaks. And the second reason is that God, Christmas reminds us that God hears the long-hoped-for prayers of His people. Sometimes the prayers that have been going on for years and years and years unanswered. So we discover that there is this great hope, the hope of breaking the silence. Here's the second hope that we find about in this passage. It's the hope of bringing us back. Verse 16 says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. The news is so good that Zechariah struggles to believe what he hears. In fact, the, the angel tells him that because he didn't receive this information directly and instantly believe all that he was told, that Zechariah would be unable to speak until his son was born. He comes out of the temple and he's, he's miming what just happened and they can see from his face that something powerful and wonderful has happened, but he's not able to tell them with his words. Can you imagine that, a pastor who can't speak? This would be awful. <laughs> but the news does get out, and he is able to convey it little by little through signs and perhaps writing. He's going to have a son, and he's been instructed to give him the name John, and we will come to know him as John the Baptist. The angel tells Zechariah that John will be a joy and a delight to Zechariah and to Elizabeth. Many other people will rejoice because of his birth, too. Think of it. They will be first-time parents in the years when many are grandparents, and this joy has been waiting for so long. It's just bursting out of them. But then the, the angel tells Zechariah that John will be an unusual child. 
He has to be set apart from the beginning for a unique role. Preparing for this, we find a contrast. He's not to drink any wine or fermented drink, but instead he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from before he is born. We see evidence of this when Mary, the mother of Jesus, is pregnant with Jesus and she comes to visit her cousin Elizabeth. And it says that John leapt in the womb at the presence of Jesus because the Spirit was conveying to him what was going on. Filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb, he literally jumps when Elizabeth sees Mary. The best is yet to come. John will bring back many people to God. That's part of the mission that he is given. And, and Zechariah is told of this wonderful reality. Given that old Zechariah was a faithful priest who loved God, this must have been exciting to hear. Anyone involved in pastoral or priestly work has had their heart broken over and over when people who started well in faith lose heart and turn away from the Lord. Many parents, some in this room, know that sadness too. And you've been praying and praying and praying that a child will turn their heart back toward the Lord at the right time. So imagine how this must have sounded to Zechariah, that his son would end up bringing many people back to the Lord. Now, before you move on from that, simple observation, let me just sit on this for a minute. This is an important, essential part of the Christmas story. From the time of the very first Christmas, we're told that people have been coming back to God at this time. Perhaps you're here today or you're watching online because uh, you know something has been missing in your life and you're searching and trying to figure out how you, you add that element in. And so you thought that today if you come to the service or if you, if you watch this particular service wherever you are, that God will give you some of that spark that you've been missing. And so you, you search for a church or you acted on the invitation of a friend. Perhaps the surprising news is that God planned for people like you, as struggling as you are, as distant as you feel from God, for you to come back toward Him during the Christmas Advent season. You have been in God's mind all along. So we need to know this about Christmas. Along with Christmas telling us that God has broken the silence, along with Christmas telling us that God remembers those long-offered prayers, Christmas also tells us that God draws people who have drifted away from faith in this season. Jesus taught this principle in His parables about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. There are, there are people who simply get lost out there in life they drift away just a little bit at a time and all of a sudden wonder, how did I get to where I am? And why does it feel like God is so far from me? Does God even know my name? Does He even care that I exist? And this little insight here in the opening chapter of Luke's gospel tells us that God had in mind people who've drifted away during the Christmas season and the ministry of John the Baptist in that day was to draw people back toward the Lord, and he is still doing that in this season today. Jesus didn't simply come for the already convinced, the already religious crowd. He came for those who have walked away from church, who've walked away from God, who've walked away from Jesus, and for those who are never included at all. When John the Baptist began to teach 
a couple of decades later, the powerful and the religious elite stayed away and they scoffed at him. But the people who had drifted and who'd wandered flocked to him. And hundreds, perhaps even thousands of them were baptized by John in the Jordan River, getting ready for the coming of Jesus the Messiah. Those must have been days of great, incredible joy in Israel as people from every walk of life were brought back to the Lord and were filled with the hope of Christmas. Christmas breaks through to a weary world by bringing hope to people coming back to God. So we've seen the the hope of breaking the silence, the, the hope of bringing us back. And then here's a third discovery we make the hope of changed hearts. In verse 17, the angel is explaining more of the role of John the Baptist that he will fill out. It says, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The angel told Zechariah that John would operate in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah was a prophet from several hundred years earlier, and he ministered in a time when the world was weary, just like our day. Israel's kings had turned the people to worship idols instead of the Creator God. And often Elijah thought he was the last of the faithful priests in his day. He was so consumed with this sense that he was alone and he was the only faithful one, that it depressed him. Some of the priests of that day joined the false religions. Some of them just gave up. But through Elijah, God worked with power and miraculous signs, letting the people know that he was still active in the world. When John the Baptist came, he operated in the spirit and power of Elijah. And hearts that had turned from God were changed. Hearts that had given up on families began to soften toward their children. Hearts of those who had disobeyed God, who had shaken their fists at His rules, now valued and sought out the wisdom of those who follow God's ways. John was what the Old Testament called the forerunner, who prepared the way for Jesus. Zechariah would have been well-versed in all the prophecies in the Old Testament about the forerunner. He would make the path smooth. He would clear the way for the Messiah. He would prepare hearts to be ready for what Jesus was going to tell them. And he would make way for the redemptive ministry of Jesus. So here's what I want to say to you if you're struggling with faith as we enter this Christmas season. Don't be surprised that God is at work. And don't be surprised that God is at work drawing you back because He wants you. He wants you to be in close fellowship with Him. He wants you to be in relationship with Him. He wants you to enjoy all the wonder that we celebrate in this time of the year. He wants you back permanently, not just for a day, not just for a Christmas celebration. So let the songs of Christmas lead you to hope. Let the promises of Christmas reveal to you how God works Come back on the next few Sundays as we explore more of these promises and let them add up cumulatively and see how God works in your heart and in your mind. If you're a longtime Christian and you find yourself just struggling to get in gear and to have the emotions for Christmas, and it seems harder this year, 
you're in the same boat. Let the promises pull you back one by one. Let the hope of Christmas speak to your heart. Let the Scripture of Christmas show you that God speaks to His people. Don't be surprised that the Lord wants to change your heart. He wants to soften it. He wants to redirect it. He wants to fill it with joy. That's always where He starts. Through the prophet Ezekiel, several hundred years before the time of Jesus, God had said, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That's in Ezekiel chapter 11. Here's the point of that. There is no heart that is too hardened for God to be able to rework it. Perhaps that should be where you start. Ask God this Advent season to rework your heart. You can do that through a simple prayer. I wonder if you'd dare to pray it with me. It's going to show up, I think, on the screen. Lord, work your desires in my heart this Christmas season. Bring my heart. Bring the hearts of everyone I love back to you. Can you imagine the joy that we would experience if we were to see the hearts of all of those who we love, who've wandered away, who've gotten cynical, who've turned cold toward God, turned cold toward Jesus, beginning to move their way back to Him toward Christmas. That's why we invite. That's why we have those cards on your chair. It's not simply to, to have a butt in every seat in, in the room here on Christmas Eve. It's because God works in the hearts of people during this time. And the angel of the Lord told Zechariah that that was part of what God was up to in preparing for the very first Christmas. It's part of what God is still doing today during this season. Christmas breaks through to a weary world by bringing hope to people coming back to God. Let's pray. Father God, guide us during this time. Fill our hearts with joy and wonder a little bit at a time. Thank you for the season of Advent, that it's not just a day, that it's not just one night when we remember, but a season of you beginning to work on our hearts. No matter where we are, from the longest veteran Christian in the room to the person who might say, I can't even claim that I'm a Christian, but I'd like to know more. Use this season to open up our hearts, to open up our minds, fill us with wonder and joy. Lord, may we see some of those that we loved profess the name of Jesus over the next few weeks as you draw people back in the way that you've been doing for so long. Use us in that process. Use our church in that process. Use all of our services and every effort that we put out that some might discover the very love of God in the most personal way ever in their lives. In Jesus' name.